This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. My name is Sam Bulmer and I am one of the pastors here at LifeGate Church. I'm wondering today, have you ever been in a fight? I have once. I was at youth group of all places. <laughs> now, this didn't happen at LifeGate and I'm sure that nothing like this would ever happen at LifeGate Youth. I was attending a youth group at another church when I was in my early teens and um, this group of girls started coming to youth and one of them for some reason decided she didn't like me. Now, I'm not quite sure why, but for whatever reason, she didn't like me. And so one evening, we went down to our local park to do an activity. And then while we were down there, this girl came after me in the dark. Now, thankfully, the fight looked more like two young teenagers scratching at each other than an actual real punch-up. And I walked away with just a pretty bad cut on my hand, which ended up having a scar there for a number of years as a reminder of my one and thankfully only physical fight. Have you ever been in a fight? As we look around us, we um, regularly are confronted with fights, with battles at all levels. You know, sometimes we can see people get into a fight over a parking space. And even sometimes it can become physical, which is a bit crazy. Families sometimes fight or battle over finances, particularly maybe after a loved one has passed away. Recently, we've seen riots in the US as people have been at battle over racial inequality. And of course, over centuries, we've seen wars, we've seen battles over power and over possession of land. But today, as we continue in the book of Ephesians, we're going to hear about a different kind of battle and the weapons that we've been given to fight against it. Now, this is our final week in the book of Ephesians. We started earlier this year before we went into COVID lockdown by looking at chapters one to three. And that spoke all about what Christ has done and who we are, what our identity is as believers. And then a few months ago, we moved into the second half of Ephesians, which gives us instructions for how to live with this new identity that we've been given. And so today we're going to hit the final few verses of chapter 6, which paint for us this picture of the opposition or the battle that is before us as believers in Jesus. And Paul's also going to give us seven weapons that we can use to fight in this battle. You know, Paul has just spent five chapters setting up for us, speaking about outlining the plan of God to reconcile people back to himself. And then we get smacked with chapter six, which talks about the opposition to God's plan. So with that in mind, I've titled today's message as This is how to fight the battle. So let's start with verses 10 to 12. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, I want to stop here for a moment and point out again, we are in a battle. Paul says that this battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's not about being at battle against other people around us. He points out that we are in a battle against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil. Now that is quite a sentence and it's vital that we recognise that this is real, that this is going on around us. There is an enemy who hates God and who hates you and I. And this enemy wants to take us out. As these verses point out, the devil is our enemy, but he's not alone. He has an army of rulers, authorities and spiritual forces. And they're working to deceive, to scheme and to conspire against us followers of Jesus. Now, I don't say this to freak you out because we need not fear this enemy. But I think it's really important that we understand what Paul is saying here and not just brush past it. You see, at the cross, Jesus disarmed and gave a fatal blow to Satan. The one eternally destructive weapon that he had against us was his accusation that we are guilty and that we deserve to be punished. But at the cross, Christ nullified that accusation. He took it out of Satan's hands and he gave him this final fatal blow. Have you ever seen one of those movies where the bad guy um, gets uh, fatally wounded And then all of a sudden, just before he dies, he gets back up and he starts wreaking as much havoc as he possibly can, taking out as many more of his enemies as he possibly can. Well, that's kind of the best way I can describe what's going on with Satan and his army at the moment. We're in those final moments like in those movies. He's been delivered a fatal blow by Jesus, but he's still able to throw a few punches in those final moments. And while our enemy is described as powerful, as evil, as devious, we're not left to fight him alone. And so Paul's about to go on to give us seven weapons that we have in order to fight this battle. This is how we fight the battle. So let's keep reading from verse 13. This is what it says. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith which with, with which you can extinguish all 
the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And then he finishes in verse 19 saying, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So we're going to look at now seven weapons for the battle. This is how we fight the battle. Now, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus from prison, and he would have been very familiar with the armour that the Roman soldiers wore. He's clearly using the armour of the Roman soldiers as imagery to explain the armour of God. But he's also referencing the Old Testament in Isaiah 59, which also speaks about the armour of God. You see, the prophet Isaiah in, 50, in, in, in chapter 59 gives us this incredible picture of God who is offended by sin. He looks around to see if anybody is going to do anything about it, but there is no one. And so here is what God does from verses 16. He says, He saw that there was no one, and he was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on the righteousness as his, he put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. Sound familiar? He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. Now this is amazing. God himself puts on the armour and he goes into battle against his enemies. Now, the Jewish people came to understand that God himself would fight for them. He would intervene in the world on behalf of his people. God himself would come and have victory over evil. And that's exactly what we see happened. God himself came in the person of Jesus Christ. And now here we are in Ephesians. Paul is saying that we need to strap on this armour that actually belongs to God because it's our weapon for this battle that we're in. So let's take some time to look at each pieces of the armour that Paul describes. And as we do, I'm also going to give you one really practical way that you can put on that particular piece of armour and use it to fight in the battle. So the first one we've got is the belt of truth. Now, a Roman soldier would typically wear quite a long tunic, which kind of had quite a few loose bits of fabric in it. It wasn't necessarily great to fight in. So he would have this belt that would go around the tunic that would kind of pull everything else in together. It was made of um, thick and heavy leather and it would also be what would carry his sword. And now just as the belt is around the centre of a soldier's body, holding everything in place, The belt of truth is also central and core to our faith and in us standing against the enemy. Jesus and his word is the ultimate truth. 
Jesus describes himself in John 14.6 as the way, the truth and the life. Now, Satan, on the other hand, is described as the deceiver and the father of lies. So in this battle that we are in, he will try to whisper and sometimes even shout lies and accusations at us. But the belt of truth is our weapon. It's our defence against the lies and the accusations of Satan as we know who Jesus is and we align our lives with the truth of the word of God. And so one really practical way that we can put on the belt of truth is to spend time reading the Gospels. It's all filled with who Jesus is. Spend time getting a greater picture of who he is, of his character, of his nature. Get to know the one who personifies truth and allow his character to influence and to impact yours. Now, the second piece of armour that Paul speaks about is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, a Roman soldier was always equipped with a breastplate and it was there to protect his vital organs in the heat of battle with any quick advances that were coming from the enemy. It was there to protect him when he wasn't able to maybe lift up his shield quickly enough. The breastplate of righteousness represents this beautiful exchange that happens when we ask Jesus to come into our lives. You know, when we say yes to Jesus, we give him our sin. We give him all of our mistakes and he gives us his righteousness or makes us in right standing with God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 explains that Jesus, who had no sin, became sin so that we could become righteous or so that we could be put right with God. Now, I imagine that a soldier wearing a breastplate stands a little bit more confidently, knowing that he's got this layer of protection in front of him. And likewise, as believers, we can walk a little bit more confidently, sure of who we are, sure of our standing and our position with God through what Jesus has done. Satan will try to throw our sin and our past at us like hand grenades. But when he does, that breastplate of righteousness is our weapon of defence. It allows us to reject those accusations, those sins, that past It allows us to reject the thoughts and the feelings of self-condemnation and stand firm in the knowledge and the understanding that we are a new creation, that we have a new identity, that we've been forgiven by God and that we have right standing with him. We are made righteous. So one practical way that we can put on the breastplate of righteousness is to identify in ourselves actions or attitudes that are characteristics of our old life. You know, in Ephesians 4 and 5, Ephesians 4 starts by saying to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And then it goes on to talk about the the, the old ways of life to put off or to stop doing But, you know, there's an action or a choice on our part to walk in the ways of God. 
to walk in the ways that is best for us and to stop doing the things that we were doing before we chose to follow Jesus. Number three, shoes of the gospel of peace. Now, a Roman soldier's feet were fitted with sandals. These sandals were made to help protect the soldier's feet and they had extremely thick soles and were wrapped up around the ankles in a way that protected them against blistering. So without the proper shoes, a soldier couldn't march or advance, let alone stand. They needed these shoes not only to protect their feet, but also to give them the grip that they needed to advance and to continue to stand and fight. So because of that, these sandals also had spikes on the bottom to help them to stand firm as they were travelling. And just as sandals protected a soldier's feet, having our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of of peace is a defensive weapon in the battle that we are in. When we think about our feet, we kind of might think about direction or taking ground or moving forward. And when we live our lives with an intentionality around always being prepared to share the gospel, we ensure that we're heading in the right direction. We ensure that we're on the right path, that we're on the path of God's will for our lives, taking ground for the kingdom. When this is the way that we choose to live, when this is the way that we conduct our lives throughout the day, it gives the enemy less opportunity to be able to come in and trip or mess us up. You know, God has gone to the utmost to reconcile us with himself through Jesus. And you and I have now been called his ambassadors here on earth. We have been given this incredible opportunity to share the good news with people who have not yet heard it or have not yet responded to it. And this actually helps to protect us in this battle. So really simply, a practical way that we can put on the shoes of the gospel of, of peace is to be ready to share our testimony. You know, the easiest and the most effective way that you can share the gospel is to tell others about your story and about how Jesus has changed your life. Our fourth piece of armour for the battle is the shield of faith. Now, the Roman soldier's shield was their primary defence weapon. It was usually about two feet by four feet, large enough to protect their body And it was made of wood, of leather, of canvas and of metal. And sometimes before the battle, it was soaked in water so that if a flaming arrow hit it, it would be quenched. In the same way, God has provided us with a powerful shield as part of our armour, the shield of faith. Now, faith starts by us trusting in God and believing that he is who he says he is and making a choice to follow Jesus. But the Bible also describes God as our shield and as our refuge, as our safe place. Placing our faith in God looks like trusting him to protect us. 
trusting that he's going to come through for us, trusting that he's going to keep his keep his word, trusting that he's going to keep his promises to us. The Bible says that the shield of faith will extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, flaming arrows might look like lies, accusations, sinful thoughts, doubt, temptations. And when these are thrown our way, God is our protector. He is our refuge. He is the one who keeps his promises and keeps his word. And that, friends, is what is going to extinguish those fiery arrows that are thrown at us in the heat of battle. So a practical way that we can take up the shield of faith is to spend time reading and getting to know the promises of God. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about the promises of God? Because as we do that, it will strengthen, it will build our faith and our reliance on God. When we read things like God will provide all of your needs, God will never leave you or forsake you, God's love will never fail, it builds, it strengthens our faith. Number five is the helmet of salvation. Now a soldier's head is one of the most vulnerable areas. So without their helmet, one blow to the head could prove to be fatal. So his helmet covered his entire head, his facial, facial area and between his eyes. His armour would prove useless without his helmet. You know, one thing that we can be assured of as believers is our salvation. I mentioned earlier that the one eternally destructive weapon that Satan had against us was his accusation against us before God that we're guilty and we deserve to be punished. But when Christ died, he took that accusation, he stripped it from Satan's hands and our salvation was completed. And so when we wear the helmet of salvation, we rest in this quiet assurance of all that Christ has done for us. The helmet of salvation protects our minds. It protects our thoughts from the accusations of the enemy who will still try and bring doubt, who will still try and question us and our salvation with his lies. So one really practical thing that we can do to put on the helmet of salvation is to be really intentional with what we're filling our minds with, what's going into our ears literally. (laughs) So spend some time listening to sermons or listening to Christian music, things that are going to fill our minds, fill our thoughts, fill our heads with truth. Number six is the sword of the spirit. You know, all of the other pieces of the weapon, Pieces of the armour so far have been defensive weapons, but not the sword. The sword is a deadly offensive weapon. In the hands of a skilled warrior, he could pierce through even the strongest armour. So the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is the weapon that we use to go on the offence against the enemy. 
To use the sword of the Spirit is to literally speak and declare the Word of God, to declare and decree the promises of God. When the enemy comes to try and bring something into your life that is contrary to the Word of God, what we need to do to fight that battle is to speak the Word of God back at him. The Bible is power, is a powerful weapon. It's described in Hebrews 4.12 as being alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It is our offensive weapon in the battle that we're in. So super practically, memorise scripture, particularly memorise scripture on topics that you struggle with and speak them out loud. So if you find, for example, fear is hitting you in the face, you can speak and declare 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love and of sound mind. And finally, number seven is prayer. Now, prayer isn't actually listed as one of the pieces of the armour of God, but prayer is a weapon that we've been given for the battle. So Paul closes by saying, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Even when we're clothed in the armour of God, we still need to remain alert and immerse it all in prayer. In prayer, we show our reliance upon God for him to act and for him to move. You know, if we think about prayer again in battle terms, prayer is like our direct method of communication to headquarters. And when we pray in the spirit, it means that we're praying God's word and we're praying God's will into a situation. And so Paul finishes by directing us to not only pray God's will and to pray God's word, but to also pray for God's people and for the advancement of the gospel. Paul is writing this from prison. He's in the midst of suffering, persecution, and yet his prayer request is not for his own safety, comfort, or even his own freedom. It's for boldness to declare the gospel. His prayer is focused on the advancement of the gospel. I wonder if we sort of look through our prayer life, could we say the same thing? So with Paul's prayer request in mind, I'd love to just take this opportunity now to pray for you today. As I've shared All this is available to us when we make a decision to become a Christian, when we make a decision to put our faith and follow Jesus. If you're watching this either at home or at one of our campuses, I want to give you the opportunity right now to make a decision to follow Jesus today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. So let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died and that he rose again. God, I'm sorry for living my life apart from you. 
please forgive me. Today, I choose to become a follower of Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, you've just become a Christian. It's the best decision that you could ever make. If you're watching online, I want to encourage you to click the button down the bottom that says request prayer and one of our hosts will connect with you. Or if you're at one of our campuses, let the person know who invited you or one of our prayer team at the end of the service because we'd just love to get alongside you and support you in this journey. So church, we are in a battle, but we're not left to fight that battle alone. God has given us his armour to fight and we are fighting from a position of victory. I've given you seven practical ways that we can put on and use this armour that God has given us. Friends, this is how we fight the battle. So let me pray for us now that we will continue to stand firm, continue to fight using the weapons that God has given us. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you fight for us. We thank you for the weapons that you've given us. God, I just pray for each person that we would understand the battle that we're in, that we would choose to stand firm, that we would choose to take advantage of all that you've given us in order to fight in this battle. God, I thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. I thank you that you're always on our side. God, I pray that we would choose today to do these practical things that will help us to fight in this battle, to stand firm and to take ground. God, we love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a privilege to have you a part of our service. Hope you have a wonderful week and hope to see you soon. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 